Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Swans Big Footy Podcast. My name is Bonds. Joining me today we have Swans Rule 100. Hello. And Soph. Hey guys. We're coming off a rather disappointing three-point loss to Richmond, but put in hindsight, the loss is probably due to the fact that we rested several players from the side. And having the likes of Pike, Lance Franklin, Josh Kennedy and Ben McGlynn might turn a three-point loss into a 50-point win. What were your thoughts on the weekend, Swans Rule? Look, I won't go into depth on that game because overall, I don't think we learned a lot from it. There's six players I'll highlight. Um, Lloyd, I think, showed a great composure in the wet. And I was really impressed with him as a full game. And I think he's really got a bright future. Parker was epic, I thought, and has really taken over Josh Kennedy's role. Rampy moving to Rewalt pretty much curtailed him. And that was an exceptional effort given the size difference there or strength differential. Um, Gary Rowan continues to evolve in, in confidence. And he's, you know, he cemented his spot in the team. And I thought he was the one really having a dip when the chips were down. And Tom Mitchell, that was an exceptional effort. There's no way he's going out of the team. Uh, Naismith on debut. Uh, let's. He was. Um, I probably could have done a little bit better in the ruck and run around a bit better, but fair. You know, he was thrown to the wolves a bit, so I think he deserves a bit of a break. He shouldn't have really played. Overall, I felt like we could have won the game. At times, it was frustrating in the wet, and it's like we didn't really want it. You can't give away a five goal start. I wouldn't expect it to be the norm going forward. A shout out to well, their best players, Rosemary Stevick and. Panel, they were pretty good for them, I thought, and got them over the line. That's yep. about all I have to say about it. Okay, so what are your thoughts on the game? Well, I find it very interesting there that um, Swans Rule set, uh, you know, named those five players, and those five players are young players. There's Parker. Well, I mean, you know, Parker's been there for a couple of years now. Mitchell, Rowan. I mean, they're our young players. They're, you know, they're the players that are going to be leading this club in the next five and, you know, five, six, eight years or so to come. So to see them, I, you know, be the ones that are leading, leading that game yesterday, even though it was a loss, is, you know, I guess you have to take that as a positive. Um, but again, yeah, it was a really disappointing game for me to sit there and watch live and just sloppy turnovers. And I just thought there was no real gutsy effort, whether we that was because we were resting players or we didn't really care because we were already minor premiers. But I, the way I saw it is that you just don't drop a home a home game, the last game of the season before finals. But apart from that, yeah, I mean, Richmond came out, you know, firing. They had, you know, 30 points up in the first five minutes of the game. You can't write them off. They, you know, they had the guts to go out there and, you know, push us and, you know, they wanted to win it. They wanted to play finals. So it's a credit to Richmond. Um but yeah, I thought again. I thought our younger players, yeah, were exceptional yesterday, despite the loss. The main thing I actually took out of the match, um, Gary Rowan, obviously, I think had his best performance he's had for the Swans yet. He's had a couple of really good performances recently, but he just seems to get better and better. And on the weekend, he kicked it up another notch again. Um, that being said, you can really tell that. There was no real frantic effort from us. Yes, we laid a fair few tackles and a few of our younger players seemed to be trying their guts out to make sure they really played finals. But it almost seemed as if at the end of the game we were kind of almost giving it back to Richmond. That um, mm-hmm. final period of the game where Richmond would kick it out, out in the fall, we'd kick it back in the 450, Alex Rantel Mark, they kick it back out, out in the fall. It just, I don't know, didn't really feel as if we really cared about the match. Like, even our players' reactions after the game wasn't really as if they were devastated. 
And in regards to dropping your last home game before finals, so do you remember what happened in 2012? Yes, I've been I've repeatedly been reminded of what happened, but still, I mean, considering we are the top team this year and have been the best all year, I just didn't think, regardless of again, who we were resting or if it was a nothing game, I just didn't believe that we should have lost that game, regardless. Well, to put things in perspective for our listeners who, they may know, our last game in 2012, we got battered by Geelong, everyone's aware of that, but we also lost the week before to Collingwood, and oh no, the week before to Hawthorne, and two weeks before that to Collingwood. We had actually lost our last two games at home going into the finals. Mm. Yeah, but we also finished third on the ladder, so are you saying Geelong will win the premiership this year? Or? Oh, God, please no. <laughs> I, Geelong history won their doesn't first mean... round. Geelong won their first round. We're fine. Look, um, what this week means, well, I think we'll be told in next week's performance, and I expect that this team will come out and play a completely different brand of football mm. because I have faith from the 23 rounds that we've seen, but... If we come out flat again, then I guess you can read more into this game. But given the outs that we've identified and the, what was on the line for each team, whether we like it or not, I think it's hard to get up and about. That five-goal start really sealed the game. And, and it's just my only concern is another poor wet weather performance. But And I think the young guys we highlighted are the ones who have wet weather smarts. And the, some of the senior players don't seem to know how to adjust to wet weather football as good as in season as they are. Our game plan seems to take a half to adjust to the wet, which is a concern, but... You get that. But Gary Rowan, I, we've highlighted him. He's one of the best wet weather players in that team and probably Lloyd as well, in my opinion. One thing I actually did want to raise, um, Gary Rowan, when he played at under-18s level, wasn't well known for elite disposal. He's known for rushing it on a few occasions. Then when he came to the draft camp, he hit all 20 out of 20 targets and broke the new kicking record, which everyone was a bit surprised about at the time. When he first came into our team, his disposal was okay, but not brilliant. But recently, it's really gone up another level, especially his kicking. He may occasionally um, float one a little bit long, but he's always looking to try and find someone in space. That goal assist he had on the weekend was brilliant, and some of his disposal off the halfback flank, yeah, it's really impressed me, like... He's really stepped it up another notch, and when he gets that rod out of his leg, God knows how good he's going to be. It's not just the disposal, though. It's the, in the wet, it's just the tap-ons and the little pressure acts he does and puts his bloody body on the line and uses his brain just gets the ball forward. You don't have to be disposing it effectively in the wet. you just got to move the thing forward. And like people like Malczewski and their great players, McVeigh and Co., they try to still hit up targets and be so precise. And you can't do it on that rubbish surface in the wet. you just got to play wet weather football, use your brain a bit. And that's why I think what, what impresses me more than the 17 possessions from Rowan is just the little extra things he does that he wouldn't get a stat for. I, I can't think of any from the top of my head because I've erased that game from my memory. But, yeah, I don't know. I th- and I think all things aside as well with Gary is like he's so desperate to play finals and every game that he goes into now he's just trying to again prove to himself and I guess to the coaches that he is that player and that he can just keep performing and keep going so he's he's done extremely well the last few weeks so he definitely deserves to play finals all the way he, through he's got to be locked in that side yeah right now. the other one I'd give a quick shout to and he shouldn't play finals but Dean Towers been a bit of a whipping boy but I think he's progressively got a little bit better each week that he's played. He's not 
probably ready for seniors yet, but I just give him a little bit of credit because I've been whipping him a bit. So <laughs> I do want to give Dean Towers a little bit of credit. It takes a fair bit of um, courage to line up against a Von Marich in a ruck, especially <laughs> when you're giving up 24 kilos odd and, well, 15 centimetres. That was brutal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I sat there yesterday and, we you know, watched Naismith ruck and I actually turned to Grimlock and said, you know, just put Towers in the ruck, please. Just, you know, I actually thought Towers did a pretty good job, so credit to him there as well. Yeah, I was not too actually disappointed with Towers on the weekend. I think he will go out of the team. But the player who I'm very interested in has had a couple of really good weeks and it'll be interesting to see what this one's do with him. Tommy Mitchell, 82% time on ground yesterday, 13 contested disposals, 29 altogether, 62% um, disposal efficiency for an inside midfielder that's actually pretty good. The average inside midfielder has 55 to 60% disposal efficiency, so it is just above the average. He had a few clangers with his um, kicks as per usual, but... 13 tackles, I can't see him getting dropped this week, and I think he's going to keep Bird out of the team. I don't think it matters, because I don't know how you can play on an injured PCL anyway, so I think Mitchell's got the spot. Whether Bird just won't be a factor, is my opinion, but you're right. The only knock on Mitchell is his kicking is a little bit suspect, and his pace, but his elite hands at the clearance work, eight marks, 13 tackles, you don't get dropped after that, surely. Unless he genuinely played to get his trade value up and the rumours are true. Otherwise, keep keep him in the side, definitely. I mean, exactly. You know, while Bird's out, he's got to, you know, he's just got to play that role and, um, you know, prove that he deserves to play. So that's what you've got to do in those situations. Exactly. Like you said, if he's playing to play for trade value, then I guess that's what you have to do in that situation. But, you know, Craig Bird's not at the moment. You can't play exactly with a, a bad PCL. So... If Mitchell's standing up that way, then I'm happy for him to continue doing that. I will say this: if Tom Mitchell gets traded, I'll re- if Tom Mitchell gets traded, I will resign as moderator. <laughs> no, you, you, won't. you want to resign anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I will actually resign as moderator if Tom Mitchell gets traded this weekend. Easy. If he gets traded this weekend, I'll be bloody surprised. Oh, not this week. Uh, this year, I mean. Sorry, I-, I can't see him getting traded. He's still contracted. From all reports, he's happy in Sydney. Um, anyone that has a half-decent idea of football, which is unfortunately only about a quarter of the big 40 community, um, yes, that has come from a moderator, um, will know that the reason he hasn't been getting games this year has been due to the fact he has been injured and not trading. These Carlton rumours are false, as Robbie Ando, who has multiple sources inside Carlton, has informed us. Look, there's more chance of Buddy signing a three-year contract extension next week than Mitchell being traded end yeah. of the year, I would have thought. Definitely. Now, the next topic I did want to bring up was um, Adam Goods is getting copping a little bit of flack at the moment for a few dives, which is... Under- Adam Goods is copping flack for winning Australian of the Year, let's face it. That's why people are pissed off and anti Goods and all this bullshit goes on. Sorry to talk over the host there. No, that's all right. Um, <laughs> he also had a very interesting Twitter conversation the other day with a rather controversial Australian sporting legend. Swans Rule, do you want to take us away and fill us in on the details? Yeah, um, so during the game, it looked like Wild Warney had a 
had a tweet about um, well, he wanted Richmond to win, and then I can't remember what he said. Something about um, is anyone else sick of Goods taking a dive? And then um, Michael Clark responded and said, "Swans will win. Goods is a legend." And then Warren said something about um, when did oh when who who picked Goods for Australia? I didn't know he won that. And then Goods Goods replied later after the game clearly. Um, you better check Adam Gilchrist is on the voting committee. He voted me in, but thanks for your support, which I thought was quite a classy response given all the stuff he could have said. Um, so, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. The, you know, the drug cheating, wife cheating, peroxide, plastic surgery, butchered face, Aussie legs, fat Aussie legs, you know, tweets a Swans legend. But I think that's the thing with social media is things can get taken out of context completely. And I think things like Twitter... You have 140 characters to get your point or, you know, what you want to say across. And I think the way people see things on Twitter, again, it just gets blown out of context. I mean, I just can't take anything seriously when I read those things that, you know, sports stars tweet to one another. Like, it'll be – it's forgotten about. Like, you're mentioning it now, but nobody's going to mention it again. I mean, it might get brought up up on an AFL television show, but apart from that, just, like, forget about it. Like, Warney's done – Goods will be done in the next couple of years. Like, simple as that. Like, you just just forget about it. It's done. I agree. It's a minor issue. It's just part of a bigger issue where Goods has become arguably the most hated player in the AFL. But right everybody's got to ha- yeah. Sorry, sorry, to talk over you. But you know, everybody's got to pick somebody to hate in the AFL. It just happens to be Goods. It's a shame because, I mean, as as Swans fans, we all love him. You know, we all love him for reasons on field and off field. But you know. You just—he just—it's just—he's the person at the moment that everybody seems to hate. You know, everybody hates Boomer Harvey one week, everybody hates Travis Cloak the next. You know what I mean? So it's just good seems to be the one that is taking all the flack at the moment. So he's yeah. just got that to being grin and bear said. It. That being said, and I might get um, roared down as a bit of a bad guy here. Goods has developed a little bit of a habit to throw his head back in the tackle. Mm, it's not a, it's I, not I, a little habit. Okay, <laughs> a, um, rather <laughs> large. It, the, it is very interesting. It's copped a few players a fair bit of criticism. Usually the players are copied from Geelong. But it is he's something a, I would like. I would play. rather him take out of his game. I felt that he would have got a free kick yesterday and a shot at goal to win us the game if he didn't play for that free kick at the end. I think he cost himself a shot at goal being an idiot. And I think he did it. Three, at least three times yesterday, and I think he's better than that. And I, I thought Bartell was a disgrace when he threw himself. I thought Lindsay Thomas was. And to be consistent, as much as I love him, Adam Goods was a disgrace yesterday with that behaviour. And yeah. that's, that shit cost us a free kick in a grand final when we need it, then I'll be pissed off. There's a couple of moments yesterday right in front of me, especially in the, those that last you know five minutes of that last quarter. And... I mean, again, whether it was a game that we wanted to win or lose, I actually just watched Good Spectate and I was like, what are you doing? Like, have it, you know, you can't just expect somebody else to go go up against the ball. Have a crack yourself. But that was just me getting really stressed and worried in the last two minutes of the game, hoping that we're going to win. But, yeah, I mean, you can't, exactly, you can't do that on a grand final day you just have to keep going you can't you know you can't die for a free kick because it's pathetic and your teammates will think it and everybody else will think it so, I, I yeah. do I do honestly think that the diving free kicks will get brought up after the match this week like during the match review it'll have to get brought up 
there is no doubt about it. Longmire will bring it up and have a talk with Goods. That being said, if he is spectating, I don't think we will see Goods do that on grand final day. Like, he has been caught doing it a little bit at times, but when the game has been on the line and it's been a match that's actually worth something, like, I'm sorry to a lot of Richmond fans, that if any are actually listening to this podcast, but the game really wasn't worth anything on the weekend. I yeah. think he will put his head over the ball a little bit more. That the thing being, is, we, we don't know the instructions that they're given. Like, he might have been told, stay in the goal square, don't move. Because yesterday, I think Tippett crashed into a pack and dived in really hard. And I thought, oh, geez, what are you doing? The next thing, he's on the bench with the coach in his ear. He's probably told, like, you know, hey, mate, you got to play next week. I mean, maybe he wasn't, but we, we, we don't know the role that these guys are asked to play because sometimes this year people have run off goods and he's looked a bit poor in defence, but then other times he looks like the old goods. So I'm not sure if he's lazy at times or can't go or he's instructed not to go, but I think it's all part of the management on the weekend in particular. But it's, it's a bit harder to tell on the TV as well. Now, that being said, we'll move on to the next topic. And it's a fairly important one. The actual qualifying final against the Fremantle Dockers on Saturday. It's going to be a really interesting match. I don't think we can take a lot from the game that we played against them earlier in the year. Fremantle were pretty out of form. We were just coming into form. Both lineups were pretty vastly different to what we're going to see this weekend. And we can't really take much from the Port Adelaide game last year as well. Obvious, oh, not the Port, sorry, the preliminary final game last weekend as well. I mean, we'd have nearly 10, 11 players different this weekend and with a rather different fitness base. So I think it's going to be, it's a bit of an unknown, but looking, watching Fremantle play Port Adelaide on the weekend, I think they're a matchup that would actually be pretty ideally suited towards us. We're not too bad with small forwards, and I think Ballantyne has got a pretty ideal matchup in Nick Smith, and I, would, I wouldn't I would mind Rampy going to Walters. Um, what are your thoughts on the game coming up this weekend, Soph? Uh, I mean, a final is a... Like, I mean, it's a qualifying final, so we win it, we go into a prelim. But again, you just can't go... It's a final. You can't go into a final expecting you can win. If you turn up on the day and, you know, um, having a look at the bomb this weekend is going to rain on Saturday, unfortunately, again in Sydney. So, you know, a wet ANZ stadium, I mean, you just have to go in and we have to try our be- like try better than our best. I mean, hopefully we get, we'll have Buddy back, we'll have, you know, McGlynn back, Kennedy back, which gives us, you know, great options. I, I mean, it's a final. I'm nervous. I, you know, I want us to win. Um, I hope we don't play like we did for the first five minutes of that opening game against Richmond because there's a lot that needs to be improved. But, I mean, I worry. But at the same time, I feel confident against Fremantle. But, again, you know, they have some great quality players and, you know, you can't let Ballantyne get the ball because he'll just kick goals on us and nobody wants to see him smiling. But, yeah, I, I feel confident, but I'm hoping, you know, we can go out and have a really strong game. Okay, Swans Rule, what are your thoughts on the game this weekend? Look, if you're a Swans fan and you're thinking of going to another final, book your tickets for the home prelim because we're going to romp this in. Um, <laughs> oh, confident. Confident. I said last year, and I'll say it, said it all year, three are biggest pretenders in the comp. And they've got good small forwards, but small forwards don't win your finals, which they showed. Last year in the prelim when they went the grand final, sorry, when they went to water, they, I mean, they live on this defensive pressure and 
yeah, okay, there's a bit of a defensive team they're coming up against this week. Um, they've got some good players. Don't get me wrong, Fife comes back in. That's a massive inclusion, and they've got a really big midfield. But if we can get on top there, I don't see who stops Buddy. I don't see who stops Tippett. I don't even really see who stops Goods if he can get into form. And I think we'll have too much firepower and win the game quite comfortably. I think they've had it, got on a nice roll with a pretty cushy draw, if I'm not mistaken, really. I mean, I know they've played Hawthorne and Port in the last few weeks and Geelong, but they won like eight in a row playing some pretty dud sides and they haven't done much away from Patterson Stadium either. So I'm pretty confident that we'll win this week. Um, Ten goal win, I think. We'll Ten goals? Yep. We'll sub a few out in the last quarter, sub Buddy out maybe or something like that. It'll be that good. I'm calling okay. I think. I'm confident. Swan's rule. If we win by more than six goals, I'll give you access to my avatar and my um, my signature for the rest of the finals campaign. You can have it if we win by more than six. So I think it's going to be a close game. Um, it's interesting. Look, look at the age of their key players, though. Like Pav's 33, is he? McFarlane is he even alive anymore. I mean, McFarlane's injured. Um, yeah, he's expected no, to possibly come back this weekend, but is not rated more than a 50-50 chance. Um, Buddy, that, that being said, um, McFarlane would be playing on Tippett if he does come back. The person that they'll put on Buddy would be Michael Johnson, who... I reckon he'll play spare and try to get all those intercept marks he gets, because he's actually the one I'm worried about, is kicking it down his bloody throat with those high bombs we like to go with. So that's... I, I can't see anyone else playing on Franklin, though, on their lineup. He's, and he's possibly one of the very few um, defenders in the competition that may actually be athletically gifted enough to possibly go with Buddy as well. Fair point. In that case, then, uh, if he stays in the side, then it's um, Sam Reid has an important role to play if Buddy's occupied. Because he doesn't have a great record against Freo as well, so that's something to bear in mind. And it could be a chance for the... The decoy forward to step up and show us why he's been in the side all year. Eventually, he's bound to do it one day, so time will tell. But, yeah, I'm very confident. It'll be interesting. Um, the Pike is a massive inclusion coming into this weekend as well. Um, Josh, if you look at the inclusions we need to get, um, Josh Kennedy will really reinforce our Kenton-tested ball um, news, which... Heard on the weekend against Richmond, we actually got beat for the contested ball, especially in the first five minutes. That really hurt us. Um, Sanderlands is going to crush whoever he plays against, but at least Pike might neglect some of the damage you do around the ground in the stoppages. After that, McGlynn's obviously, I think, until his injury, he may even be leading our best and fairest ahead of Franklin and... Kennedy, I've really rated his season and bring him back into the midfield with his pace and inside ability is a massive in. Look, we match up well against Fremantle. Oh, that's something that I don't think any of us are really disputing. Our defence matches up well. I think Grundy is going to be the perfect matchup for Pavlich on the weekend. We won't pull Richards to him. I have a feeling Richards will take the second Ruckman or may even be spare if they're not using Clark up forward. We've got, in regards to their small forwards, as I commented on before, Smith is a perfect matchup for Ballantyne. I can't see anyone else going to him. And whilst Walters does worry me, and he's been in pretty good form since he's come back from that injury, Rampy should be athletic enough to go with him. Like, Rampy's in really good form at the moment, and I can't remember many people kicking a bag on him. Hell, he held Rewalt on the weekend to only one goal as soon as he got switched on, so... The other option might be if he stays in the team to have Biggs tag one of those little blokes. But I, I mean, I can't see Biggs staying in the team, unfortunately. But 
It's just an no, option. I think um, if they're going to, yeah, I think they will play Shaw on the weekend. Shaw was pretty poor Shaw. two weeks ago, but he had a He's pretty good game on the weekend. He's in Longmore's best 22. What was our result last time we played Fremantle? We beat them in round 17, five. wasn't it? it was, no. We were pretty poor for three quarters, I think. But we, it's the one where we got ourselves back in form a little bit. Yeah, um, Buddy just kind of exploded in the last quarter. 92-75 we won. Kennedy got 38 possessions. Was that Three at home or was it at home or at Perth? It was at home. SCG. We haven't played him at Perth home and away for years. I can't. I can't remember the game. We played him at the oh. SCG. We won, and um, Franklin kicked four goals. Three of them in like in the last quarter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he'd been quiet all day, hadn't he? So yeah, and then he just kind of like kicked up in the last quarter. He was getting really well held by Johnson all game. The one I'm, the player I'm actually a little bit concerned about in our team at the moment is. Ted Richards down back a little bit. I'm just wondering if he's on the start of a decline that, mm. that might become more of a concern next season. But the fact that Rampy had to go to Rewat was, a, and he did a great job, was a little bit of a worry. But maybe it's a one-off, I guess. But I think he's just been a little down this year. Rewat um, Richards has struggled man. with players who are really good at leading back into space. Um, where Richards can get really caught out is if a player is athletic enough to lead up the ground and then lead back. Yep. He got caught out with that with Ryder a few weeks ago against Essendon a little bit, and he got caught out again on the weekend against Rewalt. The commentators even noticed it, which is surprising. Um, he's always batted above his weight, though, because he's so yeah. he's tiny compared to these guys he plays on. He's got some a massive core strength, though. Like I remember reading a few years ago, like in terms of like strength um, to weight ratio in our club, this was four years ago. Richards was technically stronger than Barry Hall, which is crazy. Um, but the strongest at the club was actually Craig Bolton back then, surprisingly. But look, I, I'm not too concerned about this weekend. I am a bit worried about some of the matchups on the midfield. Um, Monday and Five both have a fabulous record against us. So look, I'm ex. Expecting someone to tag Fife, and I think for that reason we might look at even possibly keeping in Shane Biggs. He's been really good in a tagging role in recent times. He didn't tag on the weekend, surprisingly, but I think he wouldn't be the worst matchup for Fife. He's done it once. I wouldn't get too excited. He's done it twice, hasn't he? Hasn't he done it against Griffin? He did it against Griffin, and he played on... What's his face? The week before, um, when his first game, he was on Lenny Hayes. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, I don't know. It just seems a lot of halfback flankers. Are you and Robbie being talking or something? No, um, I. That's just my kind of ideal world that we don't play Shaw or we play oh, yeah, Biggs as a tagger good. instead of a halfback flanker. No, Robbie Ando wanted to play Laidler as well, oh, <laughs> and right. Sam Reid in defense. <laughs> No, look, I I think it, the game will be won in the midfield, so it'll yeah. be about the clearance numbers and trying probably have to rove off Sandlin's taps, I guess. But that's what we did last time, I think, from memory. Yeah, we did. Um, last time Sandlin had forty-eight hitouts, Clark had thirteen, and Crowley somehow had one, whilst we only had a combined nineteen in our team, twelve to Pike and seven to Derricks. And people go on about the ground and wanting to play at the SCG. I think the SCG maybe suits Freo or the one side I'd probably rather play at ANZ. 
because of their work, Mundy and Barlow and Fife feel like they get it out of the centre so quickly and can turn that into a score at the SCG a little quicker than maybe ANZ. And maybe the boggy track will help us a bit. But. It's gonna be it's gonna be wet again. So like that that makes me you know do you pot like does the do we have a late change again this week or do we keep Tippett and Buddy in? Do we play the tools in the wet? You know. I we, think we, we will. We we've, we've kept at it um, most of this year. That being said, I'm having a look here. It looks like Saturday is going to be partly cloudy and Friday and Sunday, right? It's 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 possible showers. Oh yeah, it's geez. raining end of the week. It's going to rain again the end of the week, and it's just it's just everything's it's just wet. It's just wet and miserable up here at the moment. Yeah, geez, just having a look at that. It looks like next Sunday will be dry for you guys. Let's just hope the Rain's a bit earlier, but it is only a one to five millimetres of rain, so that isn't much. Look, Kennedy McGlynn, especially Kennedy, are crucial ins for this game. Kennedy, because of his clearance work, and McGlynn for the energy he brings to the team. I mean, I think McGlynn alone would have won us that, been the difference against Richmond, because he wouldn't have allowed that shitty quarter to happen the way it did in the first. I think he's the one player who'll say, no, this isn't happening, and digs in when things are down this year, so... I'd love, love those two to be in this week. Can you guys see McLean possibly going to Fife this weekend? First, first game back. No. I'm, actually, I'm a bit worried he won't play. What, what What's he done? His knee or his hammy? It was a um, tight hamstring strain, I think. One second. I'll check this out. But no, if if McGlynn plays, he'll play he'll play centre half forward. Like he'll he'll be small forward. I don't think that I don't think they're going to push him too hard. Especially I don't think this. You know, oh, I'm not going to even say it. You know, he got injured this game a couple of years ago. You yeah. know, I think so. Horse likes to wait till the player gets about 29 disposals before he puts a tag on. Anyway, so you probably won't see any super duper tight run with rolls, but. Had a, you had a few in the last, like, we didn't use any against Richmond, but we had a few in the two weeks beforehand with Big Z. I'm kind of hoping he stays in the side just so we can use him in the tagging role. I'm yeah, not maybe. sure who really goes out of the way. Maybe if one of them, um, God, jeez. I think because that's what half the board wants at the moment, but I can't see Longmire dropping in. Especially because... Especially because Reed gives us a versatility to play forward or back. I just can't see it happening. No, they won't. I wouldn't want Reed dropped. It won't happen, but I would drop him. I'd think about dropping him because I'm not sure why he's in there as a decoy forward when he gets in the way. We don't need him in the ruck and he never goes back. He's, he seems to be picked on reputation or what he might do and not what he does. True. That um, might be harsh, but cause, I I mean, he can get of... two good goals. But... But, but is, you know, it's final time... Like besides bringing in, obviously we want Kennedy and we want um, uh, Franklin in, but is now a time to be messing with selections and dropping? Do you just keep in, you know, take out who's necessarily not important, Naismith, and I mean, I'm not sure, you know, Mitchell might make way for Kennedy, but like do you really mess with Sam Reed and taking him out to, you know, really off-balance the team, even though he's not really doing anything. I don't think he'll go anyway. Like you said, he'll stay. So mm. I think the only changes I can see would be Franklin, Pike, McGlynn, Kennedy in. 
and probably Jones, Naismith, Towers, and oh yeah, I forgot about Jones. Biggs will go out. I, I'm guessing, and I to be consistent, <laughs> I would still keep Biggs ahead of Shaw, even though I know Shaw came back into four. But I, that's how I reckon it'll go. And you're right, he won't make five changes. The only other one we probably need to worry about a little bit is McVeigh looked a bit sore. I know he came back on, but Hanbury came back on as well and then disappeared for what six weeks. So that worried me a little bit, but hopefully that's nothing. It looked like um, McVeigh was just a corky. He seemed to be running okay after he came on, so it shouldn't be too much of an issue. Yep. But um, I can't see Bird coming in, and I don't think Mitchell deserves to be dropped enough to risk a half-fit Bird either. So, yeah, give Bird another week. Yeah, I can't see Bird missing personally. I think he'll be fine. Oh, no, sorry, not Bird. I'm Mitchell. I mean, Bird won't play. If they're fully fit, who would you pick? Bird was knocking on the door 100%. Biggs. Out of Bird and Mitchell. Oh, sorry. Oh, gosh, sorry. I, th- I thought you would make way. Um, Bird. I just think he's classy. Yeah, see, I he think does... Mitchell's a better player overall. I know what Bird's done, but... Yeah, look, I can see... It depends on really who Bird we're playing against. It really depends on who we're playing against. See, personally, um, for Fremantle, I'd rather play... Mitchell, simply because he's a better inside midfielder than Bird. But if we're playing a team where we're really going to need to set up a um, few defensive tags, and you'd go Bird, especially if it's a defensive, um, we got to set up a defensive forward tag. Bird's got more versatility. He's a bit of a jack-of-all-trades compared to Mitchell, but Mitchell's better in his role as an inside midfielder. Pound for pound, Mitchell's way more talented, I think. Bird's disposal at times is... And he's... Ability to get himself into trouble is just baffling. He's got a slow turning circle as well. And, I mean, he's one of my favourites. I, mean, I don't know if it's just because he wears 14 and all that, but, I mean, I love Birdie, but I can't see how you fit both in the current structure because I can't see someone like Lloyd coming out who's speedier and classy and you can't drop, like, a Cunningham or anyone like that for a Mitchell or Bird. So I think there's only a spot for one of them, unless Kennedy, God forbid, out. Who do you guys send Cunningham to this weekend? I like Cunningham forward. Yeah, me too. He's so quick. He's fantastic. You put that ball into space and Cunningham runs onto it. Oh, it is a dream to watch live, watching him run down, like run with the ball and just, oh, he's, he, uh, Cunningham deserves to keep going all the way. He is so good. I'm very proud of him. That being said. do it than Jeddah. Like, Jeddah sometimes comes up, but Cunningham just keeps going. I love that when he does that. And it feels like they've set up the game a little bit more, trying to get the slingshot for Jeddah Cunningham and even yeah. Rowan at times going forward, clear some space. So that that might be a weapon against the Dockers this weekend. So I'd push him forward. Yeah. Would you use him in, de- in a defensive forward role? Because that is a role that um, Cunningham has been a very good defensive midfielder at times this year. He hasn't had too many players that have really gotten off the leash against him. Like, would yeah. you use yeah, him possibly? But you've got Melchisky, Richards, Grundy, Rampy. Not as a defensive, um, like I'm talking a defensive forward. So him oh, stopping yeah. some of um, Fremantle's run from defence. He'll do that anyway because I, I want him forward because of the pressure he puts on defensively and he's tackling. And it shits me when we get the ball forward 50 and it comes out and it's always in our back line. Like he's one of those players who'll keep it in there with his repeat entry pressure. So he naturally sort of plays a defensive role. I don't think there's anyone he needs to actually tag or anything in their forward line comes to mind. You've probably got a better idea than me, but 
I think we've got to focus more on what we do and less on what they do this week anyway. Fair enough. I'm just worried about some of the players from Fremantle's team. I do think that... And I'm not sure. I just For my short thing this weekend, I'm actually going to go with Cunningham to do a defensive role on Stephen Hill. Hill's one is a really is a real barometer for a barometer for Fremantle. When he's up and going, they're up and going. If we can keep him down to ten odd disposals, that's going to be a massive win for us. Even if it risks a little bit of Cunningham's run at times, I think we can cover that with Jeddah and Rowan and even Lloyd to some extent. For my worst nightmare for the weekend starting off the game like how we started off against Richmond or flirting with form to closer finals. My final tip, I'm predicting us to win by 14 points in a tight match where we'll kick clear in the last quarter. Swan's Rule, your sure thing, worst nightmare and tip? Uh, I always forget to pick one. Look, my sure thing will be that the ANZ surface will resemble a bloody horse's cow cow paddy be chopped up to buggery and covered in manure and look like Moravin in 1981. Um, my worst nightmare... Jeez. I can't say injury. Uh, my worst nightmare is probably that some Frio fan listens to this and sees that I tipped us by more than 10 goals and we lose and I have to hear about it for the next, you know, X amount of weeks. But I'm tipping us by 66 points in a Rips 90 final where we take the foot off the brake in the last quarter and we could have probably won by 90 but we just ease through and Play Hawthorne or Geelong in the prelim. Okay, and Soph? Uh, my sure thing is that Valentine is going to annoy every single one of us for the entire game because that's just what he does. Um, my worst nightmare would be for us to kick poorly. Kicking those behinds in that last quarter was not good at all. Um, I'm going to tip us to... Win, but I'm not going to tip us to win by a lot. I'm going to tip us to win by 20 points. Okay, guys. Well, thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Swans Big Footy Podcast. You've been joined tonight by Soph. Swans Rule 100. Yeah, thank you, everyone. And myself. Anyways, have a great night.